What's going on, everybody? It's been it's been a minute. It's been a little bit. It's been quite the while. Uh, what a month, maybe more. It's been quite quite the while, but we're so happy. Or I'm so happy to be back here, joining you. Um, and let's not waste any time. Let's just. Uh, Goldberg. How are you, Nachi? Good to see you. Can you hear me? Good to see you as well. How are you? I'm great. Can hear you. It's buffering a little bit. It is. Let me go off the watch. BRS Wi-Fi is not top-notch. I'm very shocked. How's that? Any better? That's better. There we go. Okay, good. We'll leave it to AT&T to take us through. <laughs> we have two questions in the question box already. One of them says, Karbach Mkaimcha. So I think they want, I think, I'm, I'm not even sure. Should we, should we just start singing Mkaimcha? That's not this type if you of want, If you want everyone to leave, if you want there to be just me and you, a Chavrusa, I will sing. But it's somebody who knows that Mkaimcha is my, uh, my go-to. Karbach. Oh, really? And then someone else wrote, hey, how you doing? Long time, man. How you doing? Welcome, welcome. Okay. So it's been, it's been a while. Um, but I'm glad to be here. Glad to do this again. And oh boy, a lot has happened since the last time we did this. Uh, for those who are watching for the first time or maybe you haven't watched in a while, um, we do a question answer. Uh, this is not... You know, for me to ask the questions I have on my mind, we're here to ask the questions that are on your mind. So you can go ahead and just write a <laughs> write a question um, here in the right over there. That question mark. You put a question there. You can comment it, and we will address it. But let's get the ball rolling. So a lot has happened since the last time we did the survey, Goldberg. Uh, the world has changed drastically in those few weeks. It seems. Um, I'm going to ask a pretty particular question. Uh, not to get you know into all the details and say right, wrong, this, that. I think everyone with Seichel knows, knows the answer to that. But there seems to be a lot of confusion in the response to the Chaim Walder situation. There are very, very respected individuals on both sides saying different things. So you'll have... Rabbi A, there's a huge following, who's very respected, who people look up to, saying, you know, things on one perspective. And then you have Rabbi B saying things in defense or saying things, you know, you know what I'm saying. There are two different sides. People who are, you know what, let's talk about this. The abuse happened. And there are people who are saying, wait a minute. Well, we don't know, every, we don't know everything that happened. So let's just... And... Yeah, that could be very confusing. I think it's confusing slash disappointing. How can somebody sort of understand that? Respectable people, Rabbanim, big big people, um, both sides of the fence. How do we how do we figure that out? Well, Nachi, it's great to be together again. Thank you for doing this and uh, hosting this. I always uh, enjoy our time together. And I'll give the disclaimer that I always give. I don't have all the answers. I don't necessarily have the right answers. I can only share with you what I think, what I've learned what I've received from my rebellion. This is a complicated question. It's a difficult question. In many ways, it's not complicated in the sense that 
while at first when this news broke, which some knew for a long time and for others it was raw and fresh, there was confusion and there was mixed reaction. But as time has gone on, I have seen the overwhelming response being with clarity, that we know who he was and what he did, that there's no longer questions or doubts about that. There is no Shiloh, there's not a question about Lashon Hara. Gossip and slander are serious prohibitions. They don't apply in this case. In fact, Rav Yitzchak Berkowitz, a major post in Israel who spoke about this, he said, it's not a Shiloh of Lashon Hara, it's a Shiloh of Bittos Man. It's a Shiloh of Bittos Torah. If you're talking about this, just a hack about it, if you're talking about it without any productive goal, if it's not healing or therapeutic, if it's not to formulate a plan to protect people going forward, if it's not to validate or stand up for victims, if it's sim- simply hak for the sake of hak, it's not a question of Lashon Hara, it's a question of wasting time. So what I've seen, what I've heard, the people I admire and look at and listen to is unequivocal. I think it's been very clear that we know who he was and what he did. We don't have sympathy for him in his life or the way he ended it, that it's 100% now about the victims standing for them, it's about evaluating what went wrong and how we can ensure that that doesn't happen again. And I could start to rattle off the names of major post and major Torah personalities who've been unequivocally clear about this, from Rav Berkowitz to Rav David Kohn to countless Gedola Yisrael, Torah Masora, who conferred with their uh, Gedolim, with their rabbis, who today put out a statement saying, again, there's no doubt it's unequivocally clear what he did and that it's not a question of Lashonara, but they were addressing how we speak to young people about it. So even within that, there still have been some disappointed voices. There have been people who have, I think, missed the boat, who have focused on the wrong things, who have tried to pivot or change the conversations in ways that are unhelpful at best and downright damaging or painful or insensitive at worst. And I think the answer, if you read Rav Lopiansky's article already in, in Mishpacha this week, you know, he talks about there is no group called the Rabbanim. We like to live in some world of make-believe that says, what does Das Torah say about X, Y, or Z? And as much as there is an element of a hierarchy, we definitely, not all rabbis are created equal, just like in medicine or any other arena, not everybody is an equal level expert. Um, not all rabbis are, are created equal. We have our Gedoli Yisrael, we have our great rabbis, we have those that we turn to, we have authority in different areas, we have Bali Misora, those who are responsible for protecting and transmitting things in the generation. Not all rabbis are created equal, but there is no institution of the rabbinate. There's no institution of Gedolim. There's no institution of some body that takes a vote and speaks with one voice. So the fact that there might be elements, and I believe that they are a minority right now, who are missing the boat or getting it wrong, um, is, is disappointing, it's frustrating, can be very painful for people who are going through a particular issue. But I think at this point, we should rally around the majority voice of our Gedoli Yisrael, who's spoken very clearly on, on who Chaim Walder was, on what he did, on the way he ended his life with his narcissism and selfishness, um, on, on his riches, on his pure wickedness, that there is not a prohibition of Lashon Hara in saying so, and saying so unequivocally, um, and channeling all of this pain and all this shock to really addressing how we can, going forward, learn from this. What are the systems? What are the boundaries? What are the behaviors and policies that we need to put in place to protect people? And how do we stand with and for victims at this time? So, so to some of your answer, it's you sort of let's um, let's focus on on you know the the rabbanim who are who are answering now, who are saying that what he did was wrong. It's not Lashon Hara. This is something that we could acknowledge and speak about. We, um, I mean, for a minute, we had a few videos that were posted on our app today from a few individuals. Uh, the other night, Rabbi Yaakov Sin, today Rabbi Yossi Ben Chushan, addressing this topic. 
a lot of a lot of comments were were very mixed. Um, people saying how Lashon Hara and this and that, and obviously people fighting back. So here we are again as Klal Yisrael sort of divided. Now we could say that one side is smaller than the other side, but nonetheless, um, it's a very painful battle. It's a very painful war. How, how like how do we make sense of this? <laughs> like there are not there are people who are standing on the Torah and saying what you're doing is wrong. It's Lashon Hara. It's Lashon Hara. They're standing on Torah. It's very few. There are very few standing up saying that. There are fewer and few. Some have even tried to retract or tried to uh, pivot and change what they were saying. I'm not really aware of major personalities that we admire and respect who are arguing or taking that position right now. But Nachi, you're addressing what I think is a bigger picture. I've been thinking a lot about this the last couple of days. I was talking to somebody I admire, a mechanic today, who was telling me that he's thinking about leaving Twitter. He's thinking about walking away from the social media world because, you know, the noise and the... Um, everybody having a way in all the time in real time on everything and debate and listen and quote and post and tweet, it's overwhelming and it's increasing anxiety, the noise, it's robbing us of our menuchas and nefesh and it's really not contributing. What does it do to enter the arena of this battle and of this war? And so I think that really what we all need to do, and I'm telling you for myself because I, I feel myself getting sucked into it, following and tweeting and posting and reading and wondering and kind of everyone's got their scorecard, who lines up where on which side and everyone's kind of posting, they got it right. I actually saw people who are giving grades. This statement was a B minus, this was an A, this is a C plus. And I don't know that Kla Yisrael or Hashem is waiting for our help to sit, you know, like the Olympics, holding up the judges, you know, the Chinese judge. Like, what does this rabbi or this godol or this woman or this mechanechus get for their statement? Right. We should choose our rabbeim and our teachers. We should find the leaders who we believe best represent us, speak for us, inspire us. We should listen to what they have to say and shut everything else out. There's no benefit or gain from maintaining the scorecard, from keeping the spreadsheet or matrix, from weighing in and playing catcha and gotcha, from virtue signaling to I want the world to know that I get it and I'll let them know I get it by pointing out all the people who don't get it. I'm not sure that's going to, in the end of the day, constructively contribute to the conversation. There are a lot of people who confuse outrage with action. What we need now is action. We need real action. We need real um, protection, policies, protocols, education. We need real um, systems. We need real sympathy and empathy for victims. So the outrage is meaningful if the outrage inspires action. But outrage for the sake of outrage is toxic and it eats at a person. So I, I, I hear, you know, somebody who's following the scorecard, you know, it's like they're at a baseball game and they're keeping track of the scorecard and what player and what's their batting average. I don't know that Kalal or Hashem need our help with that. I think we should be informed. I'm not suggesting that we bury our head, but then we choose our Rebbe, we choose our teacher, we choose our role model, we choose our inspiration, we choose somebody who's credible and competent and who's um, deserving of our choosing them, and we listen to them and we get back to what we have to do. And I think all of this creates an, a huge upheaval of a lot of noise, but I'm not sure the tachlis of how much is achieved. I 100% agree with you and I understand what you're saying. Um, I'll tell you, even from let's say the seat that I sit in um, and many like me who have platforms and, and even people who don't have platforms, um, there are, there's an immense pressure to weigh in. 
uh, if you don't weigh in within the first 48 hours of something like this happening, um, all of a sudden your phone number is on the internet with call them and threaten them, call them and cancel right. them. So whereas I agree with you um, that the, the way in culture is, is scary, it's detrimental, it's forcing everybody to have an opinion when they don't necessarily have all the facts or they don't even have, let's say, forget about the facts because we know what happened here. But let's say they're just not competent to, 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 like, to be talking on this issue or to be saying something about this, you know? So, but then all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle. They don't say something. You know, I saw this week, I saw already, call up Yated Ami Mishpacha and demand, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's in this week's issue, Ami Mishpacha. They all address it in this week's issue. It wasn't the right. first 12 minutes when this thing happened. So they took the time and they wanted to make sure that they're putting out a, a you know, something, a good product. Now, I, obviously, I did not, I read Rabbi Lapiansky's piece, but I didn't read the piece in Ami yet, but I'm sure they did a good job. But like this, this pressure and this this behavior of just going with like the torches and the pitchforks and trying to just cancel and ruin everybody who doesn't speak up right away. I think that's something that's been exposed throughout this whole process. And like, what do we do about that? That's really, it's an unsettling thing, even for, for the seat I sit in as, as part of Meaningful Minute. It's such a, it's such a like nonstop. How many messages come in? Are you going to address it? What are you going to say? Why are you not saying anything? Right, right. I couldn't agree with you more. There's an online mob mentality. And the mob mentality is that you, you know, I learned this new lingo. I didn't know what these words meant. Nobody used the language virtue signal when I was young. You didn't go to school and virtue signal someone. You don't go to camp and virtue signal someone. You didn't play ball after school and virtue signal someone. Sounds like a clothing brand. Called... Virtue signal, huh? What? Sounds like a clothing yeah. brand. Virtue signal. Yeah, it would be a good one. But that's today, right? You, I, I learned that language. Yeah. You virtue signal. How do you virtual signal when you're online weighing in when you're the scorekeeper, when you're the policeman, when you're grading and evaluating where everyone stands, you're virtue signaling that I care about that issue. Subtlety's lost, nuance is lost. Like you just said, and you said it very well, taking time to digest is very lost. You know, I remember when I first came on the social media world and some of these people and these personalities have, have disappeared from the scene or have slowed down, or I guess have gone to other things. But I remember there were people that something would happen in the world and there'd be an article or a tweet or a post within minutes and the notion that like have a masunim bedim, like sit, sit on it, think about it, daven on it, consult on it, process it. The world doesn't allow us to process. The world doesn't allow us. You know, the way the Sefer Torah is written, you have suchos and stumos. We have a blank space. And Chazal, our rabbis tell us the reason sometimes you have a blank space and then it continues on the same line. Sometimes you have a blank space and it continues on the next line. It's because Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, can we pause? I want to think about it. I want to absorb what you just told me. And then we'll continue. There's a notion of absorbing. There's a notion of processing. There's a notion of trying to make sense and formulate an opinion and so on. So I'm not saying that, you, you know, so someone's going to jump at me right now and say, what do you have to process about a pedophile and a predator? You don't have to process that someone's right. evil and wicked. But this processing that says, one second, how do we know that? Who was in charge? Have they put out a statement? What am I meant to do with that information? How does it make me feel? What action should I take? You don't have the answers to that milliseconds, or, yeah. seconds, or minutes. Or even, or even if, you, let's say you do, like, you had mentioned, well, what, well, let's just confirm everything. Even when everything is confirmed, there, unfortunately, with a lot of people, things they'll say can do a lot more damage than good for everybody, for victims, right. for bystanders. Just because you have a platform and just because you feel passionate about this, doesn't mean you have the right words to say. 
It doesn't mean that we're you have to act responsibly. Absolutely. It, there's, there's an awesome responsibility with having a microphone and a megaphone. When you have an audience, you have an awesome responsibility. So there's an awesome responsibility at your Shabbos table. There's an awesome responsibility when you're talking in your, in your living room, in your kitchen. But there's an enormous responsibility when you have a platform. And when something is put out in cyberspace, even if you try to take it down, it is part of the conversation there forever. We've learned that. And there's a great responsibility. You could do a lot of things right and you could generate a lot of positive change, but you could also do things wrong and you can make mistakes. And we have to have him Sunan Bedin. Our rabbis got it right. And they said, move slowly. Now, why do people react this way? I think that this is a overwhelming reaction from a demographic or segment of the community who for a long time have felt that the community, and I'm using that term very broadly right now because obviously it's such a large and diverse community, but the community didn't do enough not about Walder in particular, but on this issue in general. Have we done enough? Have we done enough to speak out? Have we done enough to call out? Have we done enough to give direction about what needs to be done and so on? So I think that there's this overwhelming response like, yeah, finally the covers, the lid's been blown off this thing. Stop staying quiet. Finally say something. And there's, I understand that and I identify with that. But what's going to be said needs to be said carefully strategically, intelligently, needs to contribute positively. Again, let's keep our eye on the ball here. Our eye on the ball is to ensure no one else is ever hurt. And those who were have people by their side, standing up, supporting them, defending them, believing them, protecting them. That's our goal right now. Now there are ancillary conversations. What do we do with his books? Do we speak to our kids about this? There are all kinds of corollary conversations, but keep our eye on the ball of what we need to do. And keeping a scorecard and giving a grade and you know, being online, retweeting and evaluating and, and looking and calling out, I don't think we'll achieve those goals. I don't think, yeah. do we want to be effective or do we want to be right? This, so there's a commentary that I pinned. Uh, Tamari said, so you should keep quiet and, and let it keep happening. I don't think Robbie Goldberg nor myself like even hinted at that a little bit. I think Fakarit, um, I think what we're saying is just the right people need to be saying the right things. I'll give you an example. Correct. At Meaningful Minute, there was meetings, my whole staff. What are we saying? Are we saying something? And what we, what we came out with is, you know what? Rabbi Yahweh Jacobson said something incredible. Let's, let's, let's just, you know, put that out. Let's, you know, jump on that. Rabbi Simon Jacobson said something. Rabbi Yossi ben Let's, you know, partner with these rabbis who know a lot more and are way, well, way more equipped than myself or people within my staff to speak about this topic. Let's get on board with them. Rabbi Berkowitz or Lepiansky are people who, who have spoken on this, and we can go ahead and um, piggyback with what they said and and uh, and go ahead and do that. So I, I want to move on. And I could agree yeah. with you more. Hold on. Let me just sure. add one more comment, Nachi, which is that before we pollute the space and contaminate it with either just noise or saying the wrong thing, you just had an amazing list of people who are Masun and Badin, they said things that should be said and need to be said, but it took them the time and the, and the opportunity to formulate it. And like I said, you could add Rav David Cohen to that list, Rabbi Weinfeld, Rav Haskel Weinfeld, and I'm not, uh, in, in uh, Ramada School in Yerushalayim, who, who I love, was incredibly powerful and strong on this issue. Many Rabbanim, Gedolim, I don't feel equipped, and I don't, I'm not smart enough or big enough. And I was waiting to make sure that I'm piggybacking and learning and listening, not, not on where I am on this issue, I don't need anyone bigger than me to tell me where to be on this issue. But the question is how to process this and what to say about this and where to go with this. That, that's how our Masora works. That's how we live in our community. We don't have to operate in the same 
pace of a new cycle as the world around us. So I can't emphasize again enough that, you know, to me, again, it's not about the noise. It's not about the hawk. It's not about the scorecard. It's about being productive. It's about making a difference. It's about creating communal policies and standards. It's about reminding people about going to the authorities. It's about how we react when someone reports or confides to us adults, teachers, rabbis, what are our policies? What are our protocols? How do we deal with it responsibly? How do we make sure that the guilty party is stopped in their tracks and held accountable? And simultaneously, how do we protect a false accusation, which I think we spoke about last time, can ruin someone's life if we don't deal with that responsibly either? Because I'll end by just saying this, and, and I know now we're focused on predators and perpetrators and holding them accountable. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, there's enormous amount at stake. So if we allow the mob mentality to rule the day, they will bring down people who don't deserve it. And that's a tragedy in its own right too. And that, that space where there's nuance, the space that says that this is unacceptable, intolerable, we will confront it, we will fight it, we will protect, we will have policies, we will hold accountable, we will sympathize, empathize, and strengthen the victims. But simultaneously, we believe in justice, we believe in protecting someone from being falsely accused. We believe there should be a, a legitimate process. The people in that space, I think, are acting the most responsibly. Amazing. And I just want to go ahead and, and feature this question that somebody wrote over here. Not the Mkaimcha one. One second. Um, the important question. Who's rallying together and to create, uh, to create that and change systems? So we're mentioning, we're talking up until now, you know, about people's reactions. But Tachlis, how how could this happen, and how do we make sure that this never happens again? How what what could we do, or what are what is being done to make sure that this never happens again? You know, first of all, as long as there are people with free will in this world, there will be bad people, and as long as there are bad people, they'll make bad choices. And I don't know that we can ever do anything altogether to eradicate something. So we need to go with our eyes open. And we need to go in with fair expectations. We can do everything we can do. I'm not suggesting that we accept it, um, but we can only do all that we can do. So first of all, I think we have to learn that where there's smoke, there's fire. And when there's someone who's acting in a suspicious way, when someone's drawing negative attention, when there are rumors and innuendo around someone, that doesn't mean that we go online, grab our keyboard internet connection and try to take down their life. But it means that we go to responsible parties, be they the secular authorities, be they rabbinic authorities, be they the heads of institutions, and we demand an evaluation. We say there's enough smoke here that we're not comfortable with you continuing to be part, an active part of our community until there's an evaluation. When, when scandals already happened years ago, our shul um, adopted. We, we consulted experts, we wrote up policies, they were voted by our board and they were adopted. Exactly what happens if there's an allegation or accusation? Someone comes to me or our youth director or someone else in the shul and says, so-and-so did such and such. What do we do with that? We know we're not equipped to handle it ourselves. You know, I as a rabbi don't have a meeting and then I say, well, I think you did it or I think you didn't do it or I think this is what should happen. We know we're not. That's how we've gotten into a lot of these troubles to begin with is that when we think that we can handle it ourselves and we're not ready and we're not competent. So we have a committee, a small three people. They evaluate and they make a recommendation based on it. We have an enormous expert that we've worked in who lives in New York who does um, evaluations on these issues. And there have been cases where a person makes an allegation and we say to that individual, we're not announcing your name from the BEMA. We're not sending out an email. We're not ruining your life. On the other hand, there's enough here that we can't say to you that we can ignore it because our conscience won't let us sleep at night because there's enough here. 
So we can only do the only thing we can do. Here's an expert, there's an evaluation. It's confidential, 100% signed legal documents, confidential. Undergo this evaluation and we will follow the advice of the person who does the evaluation, who could clear your name, who can find that there is some pathology, but yet believe that as long as you're getting counseling or the like, there are all kinds of conclusions they can come to. So I think there are things that we can adapt. First of all, we need to continue to educate our children about their bodies, their privacy, their selves, about when they should speak out. When they do, we need to believe them, take them seriously, follow up. We need to, um, where there's smoke, there's fire. And that doesn't mean there's smoke, there's fire, and we could take the internet to try to shame people, but it means we can hold the people around them accountable to demand there's some evaluation or some way of, to the best of our ability, ascertaining if there's something more that we need to do. So there are actions, there are policies and protocols we can do. They're not going to be universal. They're not going to agree in Zulcheder and Yerushalayim in the same way in the five towns or in Boca or LA. Each community will have to adopt a little bit differently who what they are. Find experts. There are experts who deal with this in the general world and let them guide us of what we could be doing, but we need to not be afraid to talk about it. I, I disagree vehemently with the segment of the community saying, don't talk about this. Our children don't need to hear from this. Sweep it under the carpet. That's partially how we got here to begin with. Partially how we got here to begin with is an environment that says there's something shameful or something dirty or something embarrassing about speaking about this. Our children need to know, not that this is the topic of Shabbos table every week, but our children need to know um, what their rights, they need to know privacy, they need to know their body, they need to know what to expect from adults, and they need to know that they can come to us if anything happens at all, especially if somebody says, don't come to us. Then they have to come to us uh, as quickly as possible if somebody says such a thing. So Rabianki Horowitz, my good buddy, has written a great book. It's distributed in many languages. There are others with great educational advice. We should take advantage and educate children, mechanchen, parents, on what to look for and how to respond. Are you suggesting that we take this as an opportunity to um, speak about this with our, with our children and educate them that there are people like this out there in the world, unfortunately, and you need to keep your eyes open. And you, does that rob their innocence? Does, does that, you know, is there like, you know, I can imagine a parent could say, like, I don't have, I don't have children. My, 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 my child is one and a half years old. I don't, I mean, I, I could talk to her about it and she probably has heard me talk about it, but she won't, she won't remember, <laughs> you know? Um, but I imagine there are parents who have kids who are, let's say, eight years old and up, seven, year, seven years old and up. Do you go over to your eight-year-old and tell them what's going on? And tell them uh, yeah. what's the age and what's the right thing to say. Do you use this as an opportunity to say, okay, well, listen, this and this happened, and you just have to know that if anyone ever does this, you talk to somebody. That's a phenomenal question, but here's another problem that's happening. Anyone who cares about this issue has essentially named themselves and acting like they're in. Did I lose? Say that again? It was just the last 10 seconds. You back? Yeah, you're back. Okay. One of the challenges that we're having is that everyone who cares about this, which is a wonderful thing, the fact that you care about this does not make you an expert on this. There cannot be an amateur or armchair expert on something that is so significant with such significant consequences. Dr. Michael Solomon wrote an article about this, and he's wonderful. He wrote a book on abuse years ago when no one was talking about it. He was ahead of the curve on this. And he wrote an article on Times of Israel, and he said this. He said, we have experts in this field They've studied, they've researched, they have data, they've counseled. Let's listen to them. The fact that you care, the fact that you virtue signaled that you care does not make you an authority to say, this is how to talk about it, when to talk about it, and to what age to talk about it. So let's defer to our experts 
to determine how and when to talk about it. I, with the help of an expert, have an article that I wrote and I republish it every single summer before kids go off to camp, I put it in our weekly and send out an email. And as we're heading the summer months and we go on vacation and many kids are going to sleepaway camp, here's a reminder of some safety things. Have a pool fence, for example, if you live in Florida, you know, we can mix in all kinds of safety issues. Wear your seatbelt, have a pool fence and talk to your children about private space, about their body, about the right to privacy, about how they should be treated by adults around them, camp uh, counselors and the like. So 100% we should have conversations and we have wonderful Torah Dick authorities who can guide us what to say, when to say, how to say. Caring about this doesn't make you an expert on this. I think it's important to remember that. Okay, amazing. I think we're just about ready to wrap this up. I honestly can't see if there's any comments for some reason. It's completely blocked on my end. We got comments. They're coming in. Do you want to, is there any, are there any of them that you want to address? Because I don't know why I can't see them. I think they're, uh, they're saying a lot of the things, reinforcing a lot of the things that we're saying. Oh, beautiful. Educating ourselves, how to educate our children, Bright Beginnings Forum. You know, Rabbi Yanki Horowitz is a great resource. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are, are relating. It's, so. is, is this, is this a, yeah. This happened in Eretz Israel. This happened in Israel. It's a different world than than the world that we live in here in America. Um, could this happen in America? Is this an Israel problem? Is this something that we should look no, at as? Oh, this could happen here. It has happened here. Nachi, don't fool yourself. It has happened here. We have camps who've had scandals. We have schools who've had scandals. We have communities who have scandals. It's not that it can. It has happened here. And as long as human beings are alive. I don't care what you wear on your head or how firm you are or how hard you shuckle. I don't care what community you're part of. As long as there are human beings, there will be those who are rotten. There will be those who have mental illness and challenges, which I'm not excusing or saying we should be sympathetic to, but I'm saying these things will happen. These things will happen. You remember Levi Kletsky? You remember the little boy of blessed memory? He was kidnapped and horrific things were done to him. Th there's a real world that we live in. And the real world has dangers and we shouldn't scare our children and we shouldn't give them anxiety. But on the other hand, they rely on us to protect them. They rely on us to care about them. So we need to turn to people who know to learn how to educate ourselves and how to educate and how to speak to them. Like I said, I'll tell you one of the biggest things I think going on is that there's a whole world of people who care about this and they're not sure exactly how they're supposed to care about it. They're not sure how to channel that. They're angry, they're frustrated, they're hurt, they care and they're not sure how. So we need to also talk about what are the responsible ways to care so that people don't channel that need and that want in an irresponsible way. I completely and totally understand. Um, for everyone who just- We got a little more time if you have anything else. Let's check, let's see what we got here. Hmm. That's a very unrelated but interesting question. Um, I could share this. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to read these. Um, okay. How do we go with this? I'm trying to see if I can say it in a vague way. Oh, I guess, like, why not feature that one? I guess my question is, can the Rabbanon come together just as strongly with an ad like they did um, for lace front wigs? Can they do that the same way for this? That's um, interesting. Something to think about. Whoever asked that question should go to, go to amudim.org on Amudim's website. I don't remember the slash. I don't remember what it was. 
Um, but on Amudim's website, they collected signatures of many, many, many Rabbanim, mental health professionals, and community leaders who made a statement about standing with victims. It's really powerful to see all those names. Um, I reposted it. I tweeted it. I said, I can't imagine any reason someone wouldn't want their name on that list, wouldn't want to proudly be part of standing up to stand with and care about victims. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, I don't know about the lace top wigs. I wasn't asked to sign on that one, but but um, I did sign on the standing with victims one. So if you check Amudim's website, you'll see that such a list does exist. Right. And one other question that was sent in, um, and I just, I'm not going to feature it, but I'll just ask it. Take someone who is part of our beautiful from Jewish community and I think we lost you, Rabbi Goldberg. I'm here. I'm here. You're here? Okay. Take take uh, take somebody from our beautiful from community and let's say they um, they went to prison. They committed a crime. They went to prison and they get out of prison and everyone, you know, I guess idolizes that person or they parade around that person um, because there was an injustice. Someone put in a question here that they, they take issue with that. They think that is the wrong, the wrong behavior. What is Robert Goldberg's response to a question like that? They were in prison unjustly or their sentence was unjust, but they deserve to go to prison a little bit. And we're not getting into the details here. Yes. So, my, so I, I will, I'll tell you my answer to that. I've spoken about this in other contexts. I got a lot of pushback and heat for it, but I'll say it again because actually I also got a lot of people who are grateful someone is expressing it. If somebody sat in prison unjustly, if they were disproportionately sentenced as an act of anti-Semitism, that is horrible. It's horrific. They did deserve us to stand up and confront and speak out and get them out. And if a person was incarcerated and spent their time there with tremendous emuna, they displayed amazing emuna. They lived with faith. They lived true to Hashem. We have so much to learn from that. That's inspiring. That's a remarkable display of strength. However, if a person did commit crimes, then part of the way that they can inspire the community afterwards is to not only talk about the amuna that got them through it, but to remind everyone how core it is for a Yid to be honest, to have integrity, to do business with honesty and integrity. So I think there's a little bit of a lost opportunity. In some cases, we're not using any names, but somebody might be heroic in that they were a victim of anti-Semitism. They might be heroic in the amuna and bitachon they displayed. But Etzem or Gufa, having committed those crimes, is itself, and I'm not saying all crimes are equal, even if they were um, crimes that didn't rise to the level that was spoken about them. But at the end of the day, they were, they were criminal activity. They were crimes. Torah personality, the Torah does not want us to violate crimes. So if a person has, we talked about the responsibility of a platform before, right? We talked about the responsibility of having a microphone, a megaphone, a platform, of being an influencer, whether online or before audiences or being brought in to speak or publishing a book. You have an audience. If you have an audience, use it. Use it to not only talk about how you were a victim, but use it to talk about what you could have done differently that will help inspire other people. I, I shudder to think, and I've heard young people say, that if an individual who was convicted of crimes, even if the incarceration was unfair, but a young person who was convicted of crimes could be so celebrated without any mention of their crimes, then I guess crime is okay. One of two conclusions. Either I guess cutting corners or cheating or being a little dishonest is okay, or 
I want no part of the religion and the God that celebrates that kind of a person. Okay, I hear you. Noted. Did we lose you again? Big thing. What? We lost you for a second. You're back. Yeah, yeah. So I think Adina Reiser writes about nuance, and I can't agree. I'm I'm a big believer in nuance. There's a big belief in nuance. You know, we live in this all or nothing world because we are influenced by the secular world around us. I'm either forever Trump or never Trump. I'm either, you know, vaccines are the worst. I would never take COVID exists and everything is binary. It's like, what team do you line up on? And how about we look at issues and we say they're complex, they're complicated. There's nuance here. There's nuance here. We're able to see things in a nuanced way. Someone's heroic and inspirational in this. But about that, I think that we should learn that we shouldn't do that or they should speak about that. I can love what someone did for Israel, the Jewish people, but feel their character conflicts exactly with what we believe. There's nuance. There's nuance. We need to champion nuance. We need to create a community of people who believe in nuance. We need to reintroduce nuance to the conversation because nuance is critical for MS, for truth. I think the, uh, the opposite nuanced moment of, of the of the week um this picture is going around i don't have it on the phone that i'm going live on so i can't share it but it's a, a screenshot of a rosemary pot a rosemary potter tweeting at glenn youngkin uh saying hundreds are stranded on the i-95 virginia for hours does governor does governor youngkin care of course not proof virginia voted for the wrong person for governor someone to reply to her saying youngkin ain't governor yet still the other guy and she replied, the moment, she replied this, the exact moment right after and said, thank goodness. Governor Northam has put together teams to clear the highway and take stranded driver, driver food and drinks. He cares. That is the... Unbelievable. Yeah, that is the world we live in. That is the world we live in. And that, honestly, it, it goes with everything. Everything from vaccines to masks to, to this to that. There is a lack of nuance. I was talking to my brother. My brother was in from Israel, and we were talking about Shemitah. It's a Shemitah year in Israel. It's amazing. So I was asking my brother, what does he do? What does he eat? How does he approach Shemitah? So he was telling me, we were talking it through the Sugya, you know, Heter Mechira, Otzer Bezdin, Dibai from an Arab. There's a lot of considerations, a complicated question. So he was telling me, he goes, would you believe, Ephraim, that in Israel, even Shemitah now is like so politically charged, you know? You hold of this, or would you hold of that, or would you buy from that person? There's almost nothing left you could talk about that is not incredibly politically charged and such an emotionally invested and just nuance. Keep calm, carry on, have a conversation with some nuance, come out on the right side of issues, talk, talk things through, and realize they're complicated. Things are complicated. People are complicated. When they're not, let's address them. There's nothing complicated about standing up to predators. There's nothing complicated about stopping abuse. There's nothing complicated about our now needing, always having needed. How we do that's complicated. How we do that's nuanced. How we'll respond and what policies we put in place are complicated. So there's a lot of world, the fringe, they thrive on no nuance. The fringe in every topic, the fringe on both sides of every single topic, they thrive and make a living on not having nuance. But we who, are, who are, have a fidelity to MS, if we believe in truth, then the middle has nuance, has nuance to it. Beautiful, Baruch I'm glad we had this conversation. For those who joined a little bit late, this conversation will be uploaded right away on Meaningful Women's Instagram page, as well as on Raphael Goldberg's YouTube channel. 
If you have any more questions, feel free to send us a direct message and we will mention them get to it. Um, we will mention them get to it a different week. Or you can text our way from Goldberg at 845-216-9212. 845-216-9212. Some guy from Muncie is going to get that text and be really upset when it's not Rabbi from Goldberg. <laughs> Anyways, wishing you all an amazing Shabbos. Rabbi Goldberg, thank you so much. Nachi, great to be together. Thanks. Keep up all the great work that you're doing. Have a great Shabbos, everyone. Bye-bye.